Welcome back to the AEC Disruptors podcast, your platform to help push the AEC industry forward. I'm your host, Christopher Dell, and joining me today is my co-host, Jackson Sensat. What's going on, Jackson? Not much, Chris. How's your summer been going so far? Pretty good, man. I've had, uh, this is the first time I've ever had back-to-back vacations. So I'm in the middle of two vacations, which is kind of weird because you spend so much time before vacation getting ready for one. And then you spend so much time after a vacation getting back to work. And so I'm doing all that in one week. So it's been interesting. But what about you? Oh, um, it's been going good. You know, it's a little bit steamy hot in Texas right now. Um, But, you know, that's just par for the course here. I was thinking, you know, two straight vacations. Maybe we could go from the AEC disruptors to the PTO disruptors. Yeah, you know, that would be a good thing. We could just do it. Take <laughs> you didn't take it on the road. Take it on the road. No, that was good. We'll take it on the road. No, so this episode was a good one. We talked to Clay Pilkelton, IT director at MS Engineering. And we also had uh, a former guest, Jason Schmidt, solutions engineer here at uh, Applied Software. He works on our digital transformation team. And it was pretty interesting because what we talked about was MS uh, recently adopted uh, this new technology. And so we talk about how does a company um, adopt a new technology and really manage the disruption that comes with that. We looked a little bit into how do you know you're ready to embrace a new technology? Uh, what information do you think you should get ahead of time to, to get the buy-in? Uh, what did you think of the chat? I thought it was a really great chat. Um, I like the dynamic of, you know, having both Jason and Clay on the call, um, especially because, you know, they're so knowledgeable about, um, you know, just the move to the cloud in general for AEC companies. Um, M&S Engineering is a really great company. It's, It's crazy to think that they started in 1999 in pretty much, you know, a Connex shed. And we talked about that shit. Yeah. And now they've grown to a company that's, you know, got offices all over Texas and does all of this great work. But, you know, um, you know, we, we touched a lot on there's there's a lot of fear out there on moving from your local network server to the cloud. Um, a lot of people just don't really understand what the cloud is, even still to this day. Um and they don't understand how it can help your business in terms of, you know, just quicker file sharing. And even, you know, we touched on this, which is relevant, especially today, protection from ransomware. Um, so it's a really good episode. Yeah, it was a, it was a good talk. And, and I agree, having uh, both Clay and Jason um, speak from different perspectives made for a well-rounded discussion. So we, uh, we hope you get to listen to it, enjoy, and check back for more. On today's episode of the AEC Disruptors, we have Clay Pilkelton, IT manager at MS Engineering. And we also have a former guest, uh, Lego enthusiast, all around good guy, Jason Schmidt. How are you doing, guys? Doing great. Good, man. Thank you. Absolutely. We're excited to have you both. Um, 
I'd like for you to kind of just share a little bit about yourself so that we all kind of know who you are, know, you know, what MS does, and then we can start to talk a little bit more about where this all led. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm the IT director for MS Engineering. We're a uh, mid-size uh, engineering firm, about 230 individuals, employees right now. Um, we have five, uh, we have five offices currently. We're about to open a sixth. We're primarily an electrical firm. We do do some civil MEP, subsurface utility, but uh, our, the majority of our business is electrical. We've been in business since 1999, and I have been here since 2006. So you say you guys have several offices. Did you, um, during COVID, did you all go remote? And then have you all come back at this point? We're all back at this point. We, um, we went remote for probably about four to six weeks, uh, about when it first started last March, I guess, you know, we really didn't know what was going on. So everyone just kind of packed up. It was kind of a bummer. One of our biggest offices were still on, still on uh, desktops. So everyone was trucking all their desktops home uh, and then trying to figure out, well, what are we going to do? We all have Wi-Fi at the house. You know, how are we going to plug this in? So, you know, they're trying to figure out how to get uh, Wi-Fi adapters for their, for their uh, desktops. Yeah. So, Clay, do, do y'all still have that shed that's uh, on your website, the original office? Yeah, it's actually on the owner's property. Yeah, so that's, it's, it's, been, it's been retired. It's been retired. No longer in use. Shed. So, so true story, back in 99, when, when the two guys were in that shed, there wasn't even a bathroom in there. It was just, you know, go to the tree out back. You know, we're in the just country. So. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So we've come, I mean, we've, some great... Some great businesses started in garages. I mean, why not a shed? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, I, I was thinking maybe that's where you kind of stored your old network drives before you yeah. moved to the cloud. <laughs> and that's why it's retired. We have another shed for that one. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, that's good stuff. Um, so, so you guys, you know, you you already have been disrupted this year, right? You had to figure out how to go remote. You took your desktops home. Um, you know, adopting any technology is disruptive because we have our day-to-day that we got to, uh, to think about. And then adopting something like what you did, I would think would be much larger scale. So, you know, how did you, what was the thought process or the mindset that went through a lot of the decision makers to come to the decision of, Hey, we need to make a change. We have to go, you know, we need to question the status quo. Something's not right. You know, kind of talk to us about, how all of that kind of came about. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a funny story, really. You know, it's kind of like what Jason said, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't even know what you need. Uh, so I met Jason a few years back at an ACEC conference. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting next to this dude. I'd never met him before. And, you know, they're go all the other uh, IT directors are going around the table, you know, talking about, you know, concerns that they have, uh, problems that they've been, they've been having. And after every one of them would talk, Jason to my right would be like, oh, Panzer would fix that. Panzer would fix that. Panzer would solve that problem. And I'm sitting, I'm like, who a mole. is this guy? <laughs> yeah. And I and I, I finally asked him, I was like, do you work for Panzer or you know what's and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm another engineering firm. I just know, you know, these guys, you know, that hey, this would fix this, this would fix that. I truth be told, I I had just kind of heard Panzura in passing in a few, you know, quick conversations with other people. I'd never paid it much, much mind. It wasn't, it wasn't 
on our list of things to do. So, you know, I start talking with Jason a little bit more throughout the day, asking him just a ton of questions. I'm sure he got nothing from that conference that day because literally all he was doing was answering my questions for the next six hours. I thought this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. So the entire five and a half hour drive home for me, I'm sitting there thinking like, this is amazing. If this product can actually do that. And, and by the way, I'm cynical by nature. I, I just, I'm pretty sure he was full of garbage, right? I'm like, this is, there's no, he's way. an avid fan. <laughs> right. Right. Who is this guy? So, you know, I, I get back and I start looking into it and I start talking with the, the people from Panzer and, and sure enough, you know, it, it it's legit. Um, so I think it was the next two weeks after that, I went to my CFO and said, Hey, I already have a game plan. I already know what we're doing. Uh, we're going to, we're going to change literally everything that we do. We're going to throw away all of our servers. We're going to, you know, completely just upend our entire infrastructure and, uh, and we're going to Panzura. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, well, he's a CFO. So he's, his first thought was, what's it going to cost? So uh, I went through a big, massive PowerPoint presentation of, you know, hey, take this uh, amount of money that we're spending over the next five years on our infrastructure and, and take this money that we're going to spend with Panzura, you know, extrapolate our infrastructure out over five years. And, uh, you know, we save money. And that's all he needed to hear. So, uh, yeah, then we, then we started getting the ball rolling a little while later. I had a few more meetings with Jason just to ask him 6,000 more times if we'd be protected from ransomware. And, um, and he assured me every time that we would, but yeah, so, so there was, a, there was a lot that went into the, the thought process. Um, it's scary, right? You know, it's a big change. It's a big change. I'm literally changing my entire data infrastructure to something that, you know, I, I can't just Google it and, and say, Oh, this company is doing it. This company is doing it. I mean, I know they are, but they're like big companies. You know, I don't know anybody over there. I can't just call the IT director for the department of justice and say, Hey, what do you think about this? You know, you tweet at or, him and maybe. He yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me your secrets. Um, so yeah, it, it did, it, it did take a bit of time. I had already made up my mind and I already told it all the management that we were doing it. I was just dragging my feet. You know, there, there was some, there was some trepidation there. Like, well, let's just wait a little bit longer. Let's just wait a little bit longer. But was there like but, a driving force? I mean, knowing that you guys, it was gonna, there was gonna be a lot of bumps along the road. I mean, what was kind of your driving force for adopting something new? The end result was probably the driving force, you know, knowing all the issues that we currently had in our environment. I mean, you know, we're AEC, we're an engineering firm, we're consultants, you know, we don't, we don't cook great food, we don't make products, you know, our products are our deliverables, it's our data. I mean, from a 10,000 foot perspective, we put lines on paper. Now, granted, they're really pretty lines, but that's what we do. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that our data was protected, safe, and we live in the flash flood capital of the world. So at any given time, there could be a flash flood on any given day. Um, you know, and our infrastructure is vulnerable to that. Not only that, Verizon did something really smart and put a giant cell tower lightning rod right next to our, our main headquarters. And I'm not entirely sure they did the grounding correct because every time we get lightning over here, um, we have something go out. So it's, it's really nice to go outside and look at that big giant metal lightning rod 
just <laughs> right next to us and, and worry about that all the time, you know? So I broke it down into three, into three kind of topics, right? Like security concerns, infrastructure concerns, and workflow concerns. So, you know, the security concerns being obviously ransomware, break-ins, hacking, viruses, infrastructure concerns, you know, our servers were getting older. Um, We were running out of space. Data keeps getting bigger. Jobs keep getting bigger. People want more LIDAR and imagery in their, in their, uh, uh, drawings and, and overlaid in their PLS CAD models. Backups <laughs> are getting very expensive. And, you know, the more data we have, the more we have to back up, the more money we're going to spend on that. Uh, they're cumbersome. So there's more overhead in that. You know, we, we were having slow connection speeds between our offices. And of course, like I said, the natural disasters, like, you know, the, the lightning strikes. And then with the workflow, uh, you know, we had different protocols and, and different, you know, map drives, completely different across the company. Uh, different offices had different drive letters. I had different server names. I'm not embarrassed to say this, but I kind of modeled all my server names after Top Gun. You know, I was, I was 26. Goose. So, you, yeah, yeah, we had Goose. <laughs> you know, we had Maverick. We had Jester. You know, people would call in, you know, I'm 40 now. People would call and be like, hey, well, you know, what's, what's Ghost Rider? I'm like, I don't even remember what that server does anymore. You know, I got to quit. Well, Iceman, did you guys have an Iceman? We had an Iceman. Of course we did. Was he the worst? <laughs> they were all the worst. Like, I just kept forgetting <laughs> what they were doing. Uh, so, you know, that, you know, and then the, 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 loss, the loss of productivity that, that my users were, you know, trying to, okay, where's, where is this? What's on? What is Goose? What's in here? What's where is this file for this division? So there, there was no uniform map drives across the company. So people were were all over the well, place. So and and to interject there, you know, even with you know, you can document that. You can tell people this is where that is. But just, I mean, you just said and made a good point. You know, the amount of loss of productivity that users have. I mean, having to copy. You know, make sure it's copied correctly. Make sure once it's copied, someone's not updating it while you're trying to update it on your end. You know, and and some of these files, you know, all of us, we know, you know, how big this data is. And and a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this and watching this, you know, they understand. But but that data, it it those files just keep getting bigger, you know, and and Clay uses some, they use some really specialized software. And, you know, they're heavily utilizing LIDAR, which, you know, some of those LIDAR files can just be monstrous. And having to copy it from A to B to C to D and then back to the other or in between, you know, the the amount of time that takes, people don't always take that into consideration. And that's one of the things I always try to bring bring up is, is, you know, I technology is great. What I'm more concerned about is, is how do I make users more productive? You know, how, how do I, if you're doing something that's taking up an hour of your time each day, and, and it may be an hour of doing nothing. And generally, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're copying some of these large files, especially across the network, you mm-hmm. sometimes don't want to use the computer because it'll cause it to quit copying, you know? So you're losing time sitting there twiddling your thumbs. So, 
and the potential for file corruption when you're, mm-hmm. you're transferring giant files across, you know, different sites and, you know, it times out. It's like, great. Well, there goes that part. Over. Yeah. <laughs> I do think people sometimes lose sight of um, the productivity gains that you lose or gain uh, because I know I've gone through these exercises of helping restructure a file system or, and it seems like such a trivial, why are we doing this? It's a waste of time. And, and you have companies that have huge debates about a folder structure and everything like that, but the amount of time lost just searching and, you know, trying to find something, I think people forget. And I know there would be great debates about, Oh, there's too many folders or whatever. And some of my argument would be, I don't really care personally how many there are, as long as I know at the end of the line, what I'm looking for is there. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. If I have to go search here or talk to 15 people, we're now disrupting their day and what they're doing and looking for that. And so I do think sometimes we look at it as just, you know, something the IT people have to focus on. It's kind of trivial. We don't need to pay attention to it, but there are like real dollars and cents that are being impacted by not being able to find something. Absolutely. So in the, uh, you know, I, I know you're more on the engineering side. I come from the construction side, which is definitely a lot uh, slower to adopt new technologies. Um, they kind of have a, if it's not broke, don't fix it <laughs> attitude without realizing that it's on fire. <laughs> right. It's um, very broke. <laughs> yeah. Without realizing that it's actually very broken. So it doesn't sound like that's your attitude, but why do you think it can sometimes be dangerous to have an attitude like that? Um, And, you know, just in general, when it comes to adopting new technology. You know, I, I think for us, I always try and take a really cautious approach. You know, I don't want to just jump into something and spend a ton of money on something that I don't know a whole lot about. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a cloud expert, and I, I lean heavily on ASTI. Jason uh, primarily gets texts from me at nine o'clock at night. You know, hey, what does this do? What should I be doing with this? What are best practices? You know, uh, it, I'm not an engineer. Uh, I'm an IT guy, so I'm an IT guy trying to, you know, make everything work for the engineers, give them the right tools that they need to do their job and make us money. Um. At the same time, I don't want to. I don't want to dictate a policy that makes something that makes my life easier would make their life harder. So you know, I'm willing to make my life harder. But of course, with this, it was a, it was a win-win. It made my life a lot easier. It made their life a lot easier. But I don't know why somebody would drag their feet. I mean, I guess just fear of the unknown. You know, even though you know, hey, it's my system's on fire, but at least it's quote unquote working right. Like, you know, exactly like you said, why, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, I think it's just fear of the unknown. And it, it was truly a, it was truly a big step for us to basically take our entire data infrastructure, throw it in the garbage and put everything in the cloud. Well, and, and something to remember too is, is, is this isn't just a, you know, back to the idea of you're fundamentally changing your infrastructure, you're changing the way you do things this isn't just a, a single piece of software, you know, you're signing off on, you are literally changing, you know, your, where your data is, how you access your data, 
you know, um, you're putting a lot more security around that data, in my opinion. Um, I think most would agree with that, but um, that, you know, and it's not cheap. It's not, you know, it's not, oh, here you go. Let's sign a check. It's, it's an investment. And I think a lot of times people get, there's that fear, you know, if you're the one making that decision, that's a, that's a big decision to make, you know, and especially to put yourself on that line and, and put yourself out there and be like, okay, leaders, we, we need to do this. It's going to be good, you know, but how do you get them to understand that? And that's a hard sell sometimes, you know. I want to piggyback on that a little bit because, you know, we talk about it was kind of maybe a two year in the making decision, working on through stuff, knowing that you have to go to senior leadership with any sort of major initiative like this. I mean, what information you said you did your homework, what information did you feel like you needed to bring to them so that they were at least comfortable in accepting that this is a change that we need to make? Well, I brought it to two of our senior leadership, the COO and the CFO. Uh, I report directly to the CFO. So I know with the CFO, I had to make it, not make it, I had to show him that, you know, from a financial perspective, you know, we weren't dumping a ton of money into this. We weren't, we weren't going to be, you know, doubling our IT budget over the next five years and then doubling it again. I had to show him that financially it makes sense due to the infrastructure that we have and the cost of replacements and end of life and everything else that we had, um, you know, to, to, to show him that, you know, in and all, actually we are saving money over the next five years with the data growth that we were incurring every year and, and basically show him that like, Hey, financially we're good. This is a smart decision for us. At the same time, I was showing the COO like security wise and workflow wise, like this is going to make everything easier. It's going to be a seamless transition for our users. You know, the S drive for our users is still going to be the S drive. You know, the X drive is still going to be the X drive. You know, the, the, the users are going to gain productivity because everything is going to be the same and uniform across the board. We're going to be protected from things like ransomware. Our users are going to be able to restore their own backups. Everything is going to run quicker, you know, so that's that's basically a high level view of how I pitched that to them. And, and it wasn't much of a pitch. You know, I, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to have, we have amazing leadership here at MS Engineering. Obviously it's, you know, why we've, we've grown so much and, and been able to do what we do and maintain what we do. Um, so they, they, they put their trust in the right people and, and, you know, we just get it done. So it, it wasn't a hard sell, but I could definitely see how somebody would have to work at a stubborn leadership who was against change, you know, with the, if it's not broke, don't fix it mentality, how you would really have to say, Hey, we need this. We need, we need better security. It's a no brainer to me, you know, being on this side of it now, like, why didn't I do this a long time ago? Why did I drag my feet for so long? And it was, it was just the fear of the unknown, you know, what it, it, it is big to put my name on something like this, to, to go to the entire company and say, I'm going to just throw away everything we've been doing for the past 20 years. And just in the next six months, we're going to be doing everything on the IT side completely different. And you just have to trust me. <laughs> and that's a hard sell for, for some people. So really, it's understanding from what it sounds like, it's truly understanding your audience of who you're trying to communicate with and understanding their motivations. And so knowing that the COO cares a lot about the day-to-day, -day, the productivity operations, CFO cares a lot about the 
you know, the bottom line. Right. I think it's a smart approach. It, it worked. <laughs> Clearly, we're talking today about it. The AEC Disruptors podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and champion innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for the AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit ASTI.com and let them know we sent you. Something else it seems like with any new technology, you kind of have to be able to project growth of your firm a little bit uh, and understand like by doing this, it helps us do X, Y, and Z. Because I would think if we don't look into the future and sort of talk through, hey, you know, where do we see ourselves growing? You don't want to adopt something that then you would have to turn around and redo a couple years later. Yeah, and that and that's a perfect point. Like you brought that up. Our, our leaders are really are really forward thinking, and you know they're really good at forecasting and projecting growth. And that was one of the questions the COO asked me: is you know, well, what if we run out of space again? It just keeps growing. It's scalable. That was to to quote uh, the great Jason Schmidt. Yeah, you did see. You know, when you don't know what you're missing, back to that whole idea you all of a sudden were able to deliver these large, large files instantly to people in different offices. And they didn't have to copy. And they don't have to worry about whether one guy's in them already or not. So now you have, you know, that collaborative piece, what that allows you to do. It actually allows you to grow it, it, and, and grow in the sense of get more work done. So you can now be have people working in these different locations you know, working at the same time, you can borrow resources from different locations and instantly, not, oh, I got to spend, you know, all this time figuring out who's going to get what piece and where I'm going to copy it. That all goes away. Yeah. Now you're, you're, hey, John, I need you to help on this project for the next three days. Okay, great. You know, boom, jump in, work together. It, it um, I'll, I'll borrow the analogy from uh, one of, you know, from Doug, my counterpart, uh, my boss, he, he likes to say, you know, we, it puts us all in the same hallway. So, you know, I may be down here on this part of the hallway and you're on this part of the hallway, but we're all in the same hallway. And it, it's a really good point to make because that's huge for, for productivity. You know me, I always go back to productivity, but, um, you know, the amount of time that's saved. And, and, Clay, you saw that specifically with, yeah. with, with uh, your PLS CAD stuff with those large files. Yeah, we did. We did. I mean, it was, we, we, we had just for one project, we had to buy another server for our Houston office just so they could work locally on a server over there on a specific project that was gigantic because it was taking so long to copy across back to our Spring Branch office because these files are massive. I mean, we're talking two, three gig files and then all the reference files attached with them multiple backups multiple copies i mean in a day you know we'd see our server get an extra 15 gig on it just from revisions and not to mention the amount of time that it took to copy 
three gig across from one server to another to do a revision and then back again. I mean, product productivity, that's a day is wasted. I mean, it was almost uh, less time spent if we would have put it on a USB drive and drove it from Houston to spring branch and worked on it and drove it back. So, and, and then, you know, if we had any network interruptions, which we were having quite a few through uh, a large ISP in Houston, that was just constantly notoriously dropping our connection daily. And um, it, would, it would kill our productivity. What challenges do you think you avoided um, by, you know, having already moved to the cloud when the pandemic hit and people started having to work from home for a period of time? Well, we were, we were actually right in the middle of transferring when this pandemic hit. So we, we had half, I didn't do it all in one fell swoop, right? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say, okay, one weekend we're, we're on, you know, the traditional server infrastructure. And then the next weekend we're going to be on Panzera overnight. As Jason will attest, I'm real, just cautious. And I'm going to ask a million times if this is going to work. I'm going to test it out. And then, you know, I'm not the guy that just jumps into the pool, right? I'm, um, I ease in. I think the biggest, the biggest, if we're kind of rolling into natural, I don't know, is a pandemic a natural disaster? I don't know. Let's, we'll lump it in with one. But, you know, it was, it was all the power outages, all the snow that we had back in um, uh, February. That obviously we couldn't work as much as we wanted to work with the rolling power outages and the brownouts and all the issues. But, you know, I would have been freaking out had this happened a year prior because all the ups and downs on the servers just took its toll on that hardware. The UPS units were just going out. I mean, there was no way to prevent this, but I actually slept slept, uh, pretty well at night knowing that if nothing else, 100% our data is protected in the cloud. I don't have to worry about restoring servers. I don't have to worry about restoring backups or going through saying, what did we miss? I knew that our data was there and our users, when they could connect, were on our data, no issue. And when everything came back on and some servers did and some servers didn't, I didn't have to worry about it. Our data was still there. I had a few little issues with maybe a licensed server here or you know some UPS units here, but there was nothing mission critical from the sounds of it, you guys had a pretty seamless transition and maybe it was what you were adopting that helped with that. Um, in general, what, as you know, as an IT director, you know, what do you try to do to put in place when you're adopting a new technology to avoid some of those day-to-day challenges? I mean, is it through education or, you know, what do you do to, to help with that? Education is a huge one. You know, the communication with the different divisions, a lot of times they'll bring me something and, and say, Hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, we just, we talk it through, we make sure that we communicate, we look at it from all aspects. How is this going to affect, one, your division? Two, how is this going to affect the entire company? You know, is this going to benefit just you, you know, and then, or is it going to benefit everyone, you know, doing a cost benefit analysis on it, obviously. And then, you know, just moving forward from there. Tell, I like the engineers to tell me what tools they need and what they want. Then we work with, you know, the departments. Um, Bluebeam is a pretty good example. 
you know, again, I'm not an engineer. I'm an IT director. I thought Adobe would be great for whatever, and, and it has been, it hasn't been an issue, but Bluebeam is just a better product for AEC firms. It was brought to me, hey, let's use Bluebeam. Okay, well, is this going to just affect your department? Yes, but it can also affect the entire company. So we started a company-wide rollout of Bluebeam, and, you know, we've used it with tremendous success. So it, I think it's all about education and communication, you know, showing the new the users, hey, this is what we're using. And fortunately, being engineers, when we hire new people, most of them have used Bluebeam in a previous firm. Um, so, yeah, just communication is key. That makes sense because it for some people don't people don't like to change. And if they think they're changing to just change, then I would see there's more resistance. But if we really sort of um, show them the value that it brings to their day, we get more buy-in. Right, right. And, and nine times out of 10, it's them showing me the value that it's going to bring. And okay, you know, hey, if, if, if that's the tool that you need to make us more money, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, as we kind of start to wrap up a little bit, you, you sort of mentioned this, or we started to mention this, how do you measure success? Like, how do you know what you implemented was a successful thing? And is it something you're consistently sort of checking on to set to validate your, uh, the decisions you've made? So, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. Um, to me, I, I measured success with Panzura knowing that my data was safe. Right. I mean, like I said before, we're an engineering firm, you know, our data is our deliverable, knowing that our data is safe, knowing it's backed up constantly, it's offsite, it's protected. That's my measure of success, knowing that that no matter what, you know, I have our company's, you know, heart and soul uh, of our deliverables taken care of. Um, you know, some 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 side benefits from that is, you know, my IT support team has been way less busy. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not having to show users how to, you know, uh, excuse me, they're not, they're not having to restore backups from users. You know, we showed our, we've showed and educated our users. Hey, here's your, here's your backup. This is how you do it. You can restore it at any time. You know, we're not having to locate data for them. We're not having to spend time, mapping drives and and it's the little things right like it, you know, death by a thousand cuts you know these aren't super technical issues but you get hundreds of them and i mean it just it just wears down and grinds down you know your team and it and it takes up time that your team could be spent focusing on other things so that's uh that's how i would measure the success of this is just knowing that my data is safe is probably just the tagline for for that yeah and that's a hard concept for a lot of people to grasp you know a tornado could come through wipe out spring branch new Braunfels, you know go up take out georgetown and clay would still have the ability to connect back to his data in the cloud from wherever well, well the actually shed in the he, back the, yeah, the, the shed, shed in the back <laughs> yeah he could, yeah the shed in the back and, and all that data would be there, you know, anytime, you know, as long as the users hit save, it's, it's, it's in the cloud and yes. that data is there and he can go back to it. And, and, and that's powerful when you start to think about it. Um, and then to Clay's point of 
of, you know, sleeping at night. That's, that is a lot off of, off of your shoulders when you're worried about that data all the time. And I mean, let's face it, every, every IT director is, right? I mean, there, there's no IT director that, that's like, oh, hey, everything's fine. I'm not worried about anything, you know? I still worry about things. I just know that I'm in a much better place, uh, you know, than we were. You know, another thing, uh, our Houston office actually went offline. Uh, excuse me, it didn't go, the, the, the local filer went offline, which is the, the Panzera server, due to a UPS going out. The coolest thing, normally I would have 60 very upset engineers calling me. DFS rerouted them automatically without them knowing to the next closest server. So it's not just that, it, it's not just that, oh, okay, well, if, if something happens, I mean, something did happen and these things happen all the time. You know, a switch could go out, your UPS unit could go out, a server could whatever, go down. Any, any millions of- Your provider things. could screw everything up and take you offline. Right. Right. But, but DFS, uh, no, our data was safe and DFS automatically rerouted them. And I didn't even know till later that evening when I got back in the office that, that this, the server was down because no one had called me. So that's, that's a pretty huge advantage right there that your users don't know, you know, that, oh, hey, you know, we've been dropped. We can't do any work today. It's just business as usual. And I, I, I went in the next day, you know, we replaced the UPS unit. Server came back up, done. That was it. Data transferred over, synced across, and that's it. That's all anybody knew. Speaking of uh, sleeping well at night, Jason, um, ransomware has been in the news like crazy, especially recently. Yep, We've um, had two or three instances just in the last three weeks, where or three or four weeks, I guess now. Um, you know, we had the big... Uh, Pipeline one pipeline. that, you know, they paid $4 million or something in Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, the other one, I haven't seen how much they paid, but I, you know, I don't know that that one was disclosed yet. Um, and then I, don't, I haven't heard what the result was with the ferry system up in the Northeast, you know, what they did there. But, you know, it's happening every day to organizations of all types. Um, Engineering firms are very susceptible to it because, you know, especially firms that are working in infrastructure that are doing things, you know, they're, they're being targeted. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of high profile cases of, of agencies that have been attacked and, and run into issues um, of firms, you know, big and small, you know, it's not just big firms that are affected. So, you know, to date, to date, no Panzera customer uh, has paid a ransom that that we are aware of, uh, or that others are aware of. There's that has not happened. So that's that's pretty powerful, you know. The protection, I think, is something that people maybe or hopefully are taking a little more serious because only recently has it become more prevalent of how like a whole infrastructure that impacts everyone could get taken down. I mean, we yep. would hear of like, oh, so-and-so company, you know, m got hit with a ransomware. Well, theoretically that has no impact on my daily life, you know, yep. so whatever. And then now we're starting to see where potentially it could be used for very nefarious things of shutting down the whole gas pipeline. You know, I mean, yep. we had to hear, I don't know, did it affect y'all? Um, do you get your gas from, from that pipeline at all? 
But uh, no, not here. Yeah, not here. It didn't affect us. So here, man. And I guess it's the same people that go out and get all the milk and bread when there's like <laughs> a little bit of ice. I mean, I saw a picture of somebody that had, I, I think, 20 gas tank or ca- gas cans in their trunk. I'm like, if you make one wrong turn, you're going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, there was an article shared with me the other day. And, and I mean, they're getting even more nefarious and, and mean about it. You know, these hackers, not only are they attacking a company, they're now, you know, they'll get records of that company. And they'll attack the people that have used that company. Uh, medical, uh, the article that was shared with me was me- a medical where not only did they go after the, me- the firm, you know, the medical practice, they went after people that they had their contact info. And if you don't pay, we're going to release your, you know, session records, your, you know, psychiatry session records. Well, okay. Think about that. That's, that's big. That's a big deal. And so I think organizations of all types, you know, and, and there's no one thing to do. It's a very in-depth and encompassing, you know, set of whatever you want to call it, rules, you know, things that you need to change, technologies you need to use to help make, it, make everything, you know, make your organization uh, safer and more secure. And no matter how safe and secure you are, Sometimes they're just going to find a way, you know, there's been some uh, um, examples of firms and, you know, they've been told flat out, you did everything right. They just did something else that we haven't thought of. They're just good. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot to be taken and that's, I think that's very nerve wracking. So if you can check off one box and say, I know that, you know, yes, something could happen but I'm safe and the, the kind of lifeblood of, you know, especially Clay's brought it up multiple times. That data is, is your organization, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it is, it is the blood of your organization. So. Well, guys, I, uh, I appreciate you both joining Clay. I appreciate you coming on talking to us a little bit about what you guys have been doing. Um, it's been a good chat. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh yeah, we've only had a few people come back reoccurring. I think you're maybe one or two. Friend of the show, Jason. Yeah, friend <laughs> of the show. Anytime, anytime. You know I like to talk. <laughs> I, I do, I do. You guys both made it very good. Well, I appreciate it. This has been a good chat and uh, we'll end it there. Thanks for listening to the AEC Disruptors podcast. Enjoy this episode. Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. The AEC Disruptors is directed by Christopher Riddell, produced by Todd Wyant, edited by Eric Daniel, and co-hosted by Jackson Sensat. The AEC Disruptors is an applied software production, copyright applied software 2021.